Praise the Lord. Will you turn with me, please, to the book of James? How's everybody doing? Okay. Who's tired? A lot. Yep, I understand that. I understand that. When I was in high school, I went to a Christian school, and um, it was wonderful and good and all those kind of things. And I was really blessed to be part of a Christian school and to be able to uh, learn there and grow and all those kind of things, and it was really good. Uh, one of the things that I did at the Christian school was we had chapel. And so every Thursday we would, have chapel, we would have chapel, and it was in the gym at the time. I guess still in the gym if the school, but schools moved, so I don't know. And, uh, and so at chapel we would sing some praise songs, and we'd have a speaker, and that was kind of the usual format. It's like 30 minutes. That's what you do. Well, I grew up in the church. I grew up in this church in New Covenant, and, um, and I knew how meetings started and how they go and what you're supposed to do. And so that meant when the band starts, you jump up and you clap and you do stuff. It's pretty, that's, that's what we always did. Um, back in the day, we had flags going sometimes. I mean, who knows? We had all kinds of things. We can bring those back. Maybe not the flags, but so we can bring back that excitement. That's okay. And uh, so I remember in seventh grade, one of my first chapels jumped up and the band started. And I'm just, I'm just clapping away and, and singing the song and whatever. And I look over, and I see a group of maybe five or ten girls snickering. And I was like, who are they snickering at? Like, can't possibly be me. So I'm just clapping away and, and doing my thing. And it um, slowed me down a little bit because I was very unsure at that point. Like, why isn't everybody else just sort of going for it here? I don't quite understand what's happening. Remember, seventh grade. So, uh, so I realized most people kind of just sit there. Sometimes while the songs are going, like that sort of was the normal MO for a lot of people. And so it was a little different than my expectation. Fast forward a couple years, I'm in high school and we're in one of the uh, chapel times and the band is playing and they used to play a song and it sang, the words went something like this. I'll give, I'll hold nothing. I'll give, I'll hold nothing. I'll give, I'll hold nothing. I'll hold nothing back. That was the, that was the crux of the song. And so I remember singing that song and it meant a lot to me and I was not quite as charismatic in my worship at the chapels as I had been in seventh grade because um, it wasn't as cool. And so good or bad, that's what happened. And I remember singing that song and thinking about it and really meaning it, really meaning it. You know, the challenge with our life, though, is sometimes we sing those songs and um, it fades pretty quick, doesn't it? I'll give, I'll hold nothing back until a group of five or seven girls look at me then I don't, I don't know if that's cool anymore. I'll give, I'll hold nothing back until somebody else actually hears my testimony and doesn't agree. I'll give, I'll hold nothing back until it comes to actual money. I can't, that's not, you can't do that. I'll give, I'll hold nothing back, except I, I really need this time set aside for my own mental health or my own whatever. Mental health is important, by the way. That's important. But my own whatever. I'll give, I'll hold nothing back Unless, you know, it requires a lot from my family, because I'm not sure about that. I'll give, I'll hold nothing back unless it's going to affect my legacy, <clears throat> my future, my plans, what I want to do. Maybe I'm the only one who's experienced that temptation. Uh, perhaps you have too. We heard an amazing word today from the Lord. And I think you can take it to the bank, if you will, because we have a down payment. That's what Jerry was telling us. This is the down payment 
on the word? How do we know that the Lord's word is true? Because you literally ate. You literally ate the evidence that God gave his only son that we would be saved. If he did that, how will he not graciously give us all things? How will he not? We heard a great word today. Expanding, expanding, increase, lengthening our cords, expanding our tents. It's incredible what God is doing. I want to share this with you. I told Mike when he told me about this. I, I mentioned this to him. I was uh, thinking about this the other day. I think I'm, I actually mentioned it last week. But just think about it with me. Do the math, right? 48,000 people live in Chesterfield. 48,000. If God actually heard one of our prayers, which he does, and responded with some kind of little revival, right? Let's say he saved just 10%. Just 10% of Chesterfield. Not Baldwin, not Town & Country, not St. Charles, not St. Louis City. Just Chesterfield. How many people would that be? 4,800 people, right? 10% of 48,000 is 4,800. What would we do with all those people? Think about, because I know you are like me, where you, do, you drive down the, church, the street and you're like, man, there's all these churches. What's the deal with all these churches? How would we, we can't contain. The, the fire department will come and stop our meeting if we try to have 4,800 people enter this building. So the Lord probably won't send 4,800 to this building. But what would it look like for all the churches to have increased? What does it look like for us to really expand our tent? If we take the Lord's word as it really is, if he really said we're going to increase, you personally, in your life, in your relationships, in your gifting, in your contribution, and our church, what does that really look like? It does not mean an addition on the building. It means people. It means a lot of people. It means opportunities for you to be able to exercise your gifts in ways that you've never even expected. It looks like things coming out of you that you had no idea were there because God chose you to be the spearhead of the kind of growth that this building cannot contain. How cool is that? Does that make you excited? Does it make you a little nervous? It should. That's good. How cool is that? Because that's what God's about. You know, at the end of the day, we don't get to take anything with us. You don't get to take anything with us. But you'll meet the people you discipled. Think about that. You don't take the riches. You don't take the house. You don't take the perfect rose bushes or the hedges. You don't take your beautiful 401k or the car. You don't take any of those things. But you get to meet the people whose lives you poured into. Isn't that incredible? There's, there is a real investment that we make that really pays dividends. And it's not just good works. Those are important too because you store up treasures in heaven, don't you? But how cool would it be for somebody to come up and say, you were instrumental. God used you. Because the Lord saves people. We don't. God used you to save my great-great-grandmother. And because of you, my family walked in righteousness. And we still say those phrases that you used to say. And you have a whole heritage of faith on this side of the family you've never even met before. Think about that family reunion. How cool is that going to be? That's incredible. You know, that's what we're about. These are the eternal things. When we talk about lengthening our cords and, and stretching out the tent and the increase, we're talking about people. We're talking about the bigness of God's plan that's so far beyond just what we tend to think about. And I'm telling you that now because I know the devil. I know him. You will forget by the end of the day. I do sometimes what the word was today. 
what did Mike say again? And where was that? Jeremiah, Isaiah, I don't know. Where was that? That happens, doesn't it? By the end of the week, the normal bills, problems, thoughts, temptations, whatever, will be assailing you, and you're just praying, Lord, just help me make it through the day. And you know what? God hears those prayers. If that's where you are right now, he will help you get through the day. Praise Jesus. Praise God for that. His mercy is new every morning. But I'm telling you right now in your heart, if you're receiving his word today, let your heart expand to actually lengthen the cords and say, Lord, I'm going to make myself bigger because you're bigger. I'm going to make my thoughts bigger because your mission's bigger. Lord, what would it look like for everybody on my street to know you? What would it look like for my whole family, my whole family to walk in righteousness? What would it look like? What would it look like? And that's exciting. And now you start to think on those things and pray on those things and prophesy into those things and take action into those things and talk to those people and knock on those doors. And suddenly you see the increase happening. Well, why? Because God's doing it. Because God's doing it. And also because you're putting some action to the faith and doing something about it. And because God uses both. Because he uses people at the end of the day. And his real measure and and method of the increase that he's talking about. It's his own spirit that is going through his temple, which is you. Isn't that incredible? So everywhere you go, he's going. Everywhere you talk, he's giving you the words. Every opportunity that shows up, he's already gone before you. How incredible. How incredible. Today we're going to talk about James. You know, Mike and I, we didn't coordinate at all. So this is half on the fly, but it's the Lord. I'm telling you right now. James 1, we're talking today about fulfilling our call for Jesus, putting action to our faith. But here's the real message title, if you will. Here's the teaching title. How do we lengthen the cords? How do you actually do that? What does that look like to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you, word. I believe you. I receive it. I'm going to do it. What do you actually do? Let's read together in James chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 19. This is an exciting day, by the way. I'm telling you, this is an exciting day. I'm telling you right now in a prophetic spirit, we had years and years and years ago, Some, I think it was Bryn prophesied about New Covenant Church being like a wagon wheel that would grow, and from the hub, we would, we would grow leaders and things, and people would be turned out like on the wagon wheel as we go and spread across the world. You know, New Covenant Church has been instrumental in good or bad ways sometimes for planning like, what, 60 churches? I mean, when you count all the international ones, other things, it's hundreds, hundreds. That's, that's not normal. That's the Lord, and he was true to his word. I'm telling you right now, you heard a word from God. In your lifetime, in your hearing, in this building of what God is doing with this church that came from Mike Hayden today. That's special. Write it down. Write it down. It's going to be in 50 years, we'll be wondering, what what did God say? This is what he said. Lengthen the cords. Expand the tent. God's bringing increase. He's going to still shoot people out. Praise God. I believe that because we train leaders. That's what we do. But man, 50 years from now, I'm telling you, Today will be a day we'll remember, right? Here's the funny part. Look around. Where are the thousands of people? Because we think when God says a word like that, it's going to be, oh, man, there's going to be a haze in the sky. 
probably an angel will be over there, like cooking something that we'll eat later. We don't even know. There's gonna be there's gonna be like animals will come in and talk. That'll be wild. You know that we we build it up in our head like it's gonna be Narnia when God speaks to us, and so we're expecting. Oh, there's well, there's not enough people today. I'm telling you, in your hearing, you have heard the word of God in an exhortation that is gonna drive this church forward for the next 1,500 years. I'm telling you, and you're a part of it. And I'm talking to you really boldly because God spoke to us today. It's not just, it's big. It's important. All right, James 1.19. Praise God. We're going to go over today. I'm sorry. I love you all. I hope you didn't have lunch plans. James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I'm too excited. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, per, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks that he is righteous and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Praise God for his word. You know, it's, it's simple, isn't it? And profound and difficult all at the same time. Here's what, here's something I, I'm going to be way off my notes here, but I just want you to get this. You know, honestly, it's so funny because I really thought last night I'm, I'm going through my notes and you know, finishing all the preparing. And I was like, let's just read the whole book of James today. It's only, it's only a few chapters. Let's just read it and then just go home. <laughs> because we just need the word of God. The word of God is your weaponry. The word of God is your arsenal. God uses gifting, yes. Absolutely. If you're a prophet, prophesy. If you are encouraging, encourage people. If you're hospitable, be hospitable. But the word of God is the sharp double-edged sword. It's the word. I'm telling you this because I feel this temptation in our day that we need to get away from the word of God and instead have some kind of platitudes, some kind of nice talk that sounds good to make people like us. Because if people like us, they'll come to the meeting and then they can hear from God and that will be good. And we don't actually just tell them the word. You know, the word of God is really challenging and it's applicable to every situation. And if you take the word of God and apply it to marriage or relationships or school or life or babysitting or helping with kids or anything, it will change you because it's his word. And there are people who are saved by the word of God lived out in life. And then they actually hear the gospel, the specific revelation of God, of what he's done through Christ. And it's like everything fits all of a sudden. I, the word of God is so powerful. And yet we try to kind of dance around it with all kind of stuff instead of just giving people what the word says. 
I'll give you an example. You're talking to somebody. Um, I was getting my hair cut not long ago, and uh, I was talking to the lady, and she, God bless her, she did a terrible job. God bless her. And we started talking, and I knew it was going to go bad when this happened. I'm sitting in the chair, I'm talking to her, super nice. I love, here's my, this is my favorite questions I always ask. I say, hey, how are you today? Because that's a great question. And then they answer. I say, that's fantastic. And then I'll, just to break the ice, because I like talking to people, I'll say, how long have you been cutting hair? Or in the hair business or whatever. And usually it's, you know, four years or five years or 20 years or whatever. One time I had a guy say, 50 years. Here's my follow-up question. Have you enjoyed it? What's your favorite thing to do? Like, tell me about yourself and what you like doing. Why are you in the hair business is basically what I'm asking. And this old man, he was in his 70s, cutting hair for 50 years, spun me around in the chair, looked me right in the eyes, and he goes, I hate it. I hate this. I'm going to give you a great haircut, but I hate every minute of it. 50 years. He's been cutting hair 50 years. Hates every minute. I was stunned. I, what do you say after that? Yes, sir. And he spun me back around and started cutting my hair. I didn't say anything else. So that was it. Silence. Anyway, this girl's cutting my hair, younger lady. And, um, and you know, how long have you been cutting hair? Do you like it? Yes, I love it. I like the schedule. It gives me some flexibility with my kids. Like, oh, fantastic. See, now we're building a conversation. I said, I have five kids. And she goes, whoa. That's what everybody says. Stop. <laughs> I said, I have five kids. She goes, wow, that's, your wife's a trooper. I said, yeah, she's amazing. We're talking about it for a minute. And she goes, I have one, and he's two, and we're talking about him. He sounds great, and I'm asking questions. Um, and then we get on to her marriage. This is when I knew it was going to be a bad, bad haircut. I've been separated for a year. It's not going great. I think we're going to get divorced. Uh, it's really affecting my son. It's not good. I don't know how to make it better. The guy's just a flipping jerk. <laughs> okay? This is when I knew. It's going to be a weird one. I said, really? I'm sorry to hear that. And then she asked me this question. Literally, like the guy, spun me around. She goes, what do you think the secret to marriage is? How often does that happen? Right? So I told her. I said, well, I think marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. You give 100 and expect nothing. And the reason I think that is because the Bible says that Jesus is like a husband to the church. And he gave himself up. He actually died for her, giving his whole life for her that she would be redeemed, kind of like bringing her into marriage, if you will. And so the example we have is Jesus, who was literally willing to die for his bride. So we need to die every day in a spiritual sense to our desires. So instead of fighting over how do we pack the dishwasher, you know, knives up, knives down, plates here, whatever. Instead, you can say, hey, praise God for you. I see you pack them that way. I'll do it that way too, even though I don't like it. And I die to that desire for the sake of my wife. Husbands, this is, take notes. I don't do perfect, but take notes. It's important. That's, and that's the secret to a, a good marriage. And she looked at me and she's like, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and here's what I said, I'm a marriage counselor. And she said, oh. So she started asking me 50 questions, and my haircut was like, I mean, it was, and a beard trim, and it was like, it was all over the place, I'm telling you. It was not good. That's what I told her. And she was, oh, huh. But I'm telling you right now, I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I did it strategically, right? I later on told her everything. But I didn't tell her I was a pastor, not because I was trying to be super strategic. I didn't tell her as a pastor because 
something in me went, hold that back. Hold that part back. Why, why do we do that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Because I've had more occasions than this one lady cutting my hair at sports clips where I've had lots of opportunities to say something, do something, be the voice of God through his word. The voice of God is not, you're doing it wrong. It's not the voice of God, right? The voice of God is, what does the word say? Applied to this situation for your benefit, your growth, it will be righteousness to you. It's truth that will build you up. Eat this meal. It will nourish you. That's the word of God. That's what we get. That's what we are privileged to have in us. That's what James tells us. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And the context he says that in is, don't let your righteous anger jump out there. Your anger does not produce righteousness. It's the word that does, that flourishes in you and grows in you and comes out of you and then nourishes other people into righteousness. Instead of, I don't like you, I don't like what you're doing, you're doing it wrong, you're going to hell. Now, should you say some of those things? Maybe, right? People need to know that there's a real hell still. They got to know what does the word actually say, right? That's important. But receive with meekness the implanted word changes everything. It is God's tool for, for salvation. It's not your anger. God's tool for, for salvation is the implanted work, word of God. I, um, I find it interesting lately. I've been talking to younger people, and David actually pointed this out to me. I may have said it to you because it struck me. I didn't realize it until he told me. So if I told you before, forgive me. Sometimes I repeat myself. Um, David was coaching lacrosse, and he was doing great with all these middle schoolers and stuff, and he was telling me one day that whenever he corrects them on a play or whatever, everybody responds, yeah, I know, instead of, yes, coach, to the point where David was telling me he would say, you don't know if you knew you would do it. Stop saying that. Yes, coach, and do it. And I've noticed with young people, even my own children, everybody responds that way. We live in a time of unprecedented access to knowledge. Everybody thinks they know. And guess what? They don't know. They don't know. They don't know him. Receive with meekness the power of God that's going to change you. Here's what some meekness looks like. When I was in college, um, I liked to eat. I don't know if you've noticed. I enjoy eating. My staple in college was pasta. Surprise, surprise. And uh, when I was in college, I was in the military, and I was uh, on the weight program. I was fat, and I had to lose some weight. And so I, uh, I was working out a lot, and I was committed to it, and I was working really hard. I was working out three, four times a day. Um, I, worked, I ran so much that I had stress fractures in my feet. I mean, I woke up and ran. I woke up and, and did exercises, like hour and a half workout, and then I lifted with a personal trainer, a friend of mine who was a personal trainer, uh, for an hour at lunchtime, and then I'd go study, and then I'd go on a five-mile run with 80 pounds on my back. That was my normal everyday routine. That's what I did every day. I ate tuna for breakfast. God help us. It was awful. That's not pasta. Not good. Have you ever actually eaten grape nuts? Worst cereal ever. <laughs> Worst ever. I ate grape nuts every day. Awful. So I went from 224 pounds 
uh, at the beginning of my, or middle, I guess, of my sophomore year, junior year, junior year, I suppose, and I had a big evaluation, and so I had to go away for this evaluation. It was a big deal, and you had to be ready. And so I went from 224 to 178 in four months. Yeah, it was, I, I was running a lot. And uh, I was working really hard. And during this time that I was working hard, in order to try to motivate me, one of the older people who had been around forever, years and years, who was in a very high rank, came in and in front of everybody said, take off your shirt. And so I stood there and took off my shirt and he said, you're fat. You are fat. Fix it. I said, Roger that, Sergeant Major. He knew. I was working out a lot. I ran until my foot broke. Until it broke. How much more are you supposed to do? But you know, here's the funny part. He's right. He was right. And sometimes we come to the word of God, and it hits us like a double-edged sword in the middle of the chest. And it's just... It's there, and you say, Lord, but I'm doing. And you know what? It doesn't matter because it's true. What does it mean to receive with meekness the implanted word of God? That's what it means. You're not as good of a husband as you think you are, says the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. You're not a good friend, says the Holy Spirit. You don't remain faithful to what you say. You didn't follow up. You didn't pray for those people. I did. Yes, Lord. It sometimes, I'm telling you the meekness of the word, but who is it that says it? It's, it's the Lord. I'm not talking about other people chastising you. I'm talking about you praying when you know the Holy Spirit says to you something and you want to slough it off. But Lord, you don't, you, I, ran. I was ran. I ran a lot. I used to run a lot until I broke my foot. Okay. And the word hits you hard. And in meekness, instead of the pride of the moment, you say, yes, Lord, I want to look like you. And I'm telling you, we've lost the edge, the sharp edge of the word in our own lives. If we've done that in our own lives, how can we extend the tent? How can we lengthen our cords if we don't even come back to the implanted word of God and with meekness say, Lord, I trust you more than I trust my own pride, more than my desire to defend myself. Lord, this woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit. It's your fault. That's the first thing that Adam said. And it's the first thing that comes into our hearts. And I'm telling you from the word, come to him with meekness and say, Lord, let your word change me. Let me look more like Jesus Christ. Because when I come to you, the implanted word of God, which is saving me, because it's the gospel, it's you, it's what you've done, it's your spirit, it's your death, it's your resurrection. Make me look like Jesus again. And all of a sudden, it just, it changes you. And you come to him with that kind of attitude. And all of a sudden, everywhere you step, it's like opportunities open. Of all the things that God's doing to you before you were too hardened to not to see it. You're walking through life too hardened into our own desires, into what we want, into our own righteous anger that's going to suddenly change things. Instead of just letting the meekness of the word of God change us and melt our hearts. And then when we speak to people, we don't speak to them with that righteous anger because our own heart is melted before God who is changing us. And with the love of Christ, we say, I'm going to bring you into salvation. Let me tell you what Jesus did. And it's life to other people. Isn't that incredible? That's what God is doing. How do we lengthen our cords? The first thing that we need to do 
We need to let the implanted word of God, which is able to save our souls, just pour through our hearts again. Let the word of God cover over you again. If you've been far from it, let it cover over you again. Stop thinking that you can do a weight loss plan by anything else than just running, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? We all dupe ourselves all the time. I'll take the magic pill and I'll get results. There is no magic pill other than the word of God implanted into our hearts that's going to change us to look like Jesus. And we say, Lord, this is for you. That analogy makes sense? First thing that we do, receive the word of God. Oh man, we're already at 12. But be doers of the word, not only hearers. Don't deceive yourselves. You know, this passage about looking in the mirror and a person forgets what they are, I think it's silly. I forget what I look like sometimes, kind of. You, know, you know what I mean? I don't think about that all day. I don't think the idea here is a person who looks intently in the mirror and they're looking and they walk away and they forget what they looked like in the sense of like they could draw themselves. I don't think it's like that. Excuse me. Instead, think about James. James is a Jew. And he's writing to Jews. If you're a Jewish person in the Roman Empire and you look intently in a mirror, you look different than the normal Roman citizens around. Does that make sense? And you have, by law, been required to conduct yourselves differently than the people you meet on the street. And so a Jewish person looking intently in the mirror is going to see things that are according to the law that Roman people don't worry about. And it's not the idea of remembering exactly your face. It's the idea of remembering your identity in the marketplace. You walk in, you can't act like a regular Roman because you're representing someone else. You're not representing the Roman Empire. You're representing God's kingdom. In the same way, we look intently in the mirror and what do we see? The righteousness of Jesus Christ coming through our lives. We see hearts that are changed. We see relationships restored. We see the covenant of God lived out. We see the, the beautiful empowering of the Holy Spirit who's in us, who's speaking to us and leading us. And we look intently into that reflection, seeing the righteousness of Jesus. And then we walk out of the house and we stand around the, the water cooler at work and we are quick to say, yeah, that guy's dumb. Because we're in the moment and we want to act more like the Roman citizens than we do like the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That's the idea here. Don't let the word just come in and then go out and forget your identity of who God has made you to be something else and to try to act another way. That's why James is going to go on with the same theme to say later, be unstained by the world. Have you ever had a garment that's just straight stained? You know, yesterday I wore my Covenant Family Church's shirt. Uh, that we had from family camp a couple of years ago to a uh, soccer game for my kids. Here's ready for this. This was super fun. I met the mom of one of the other moms on the soccer team. So this is the grandma of the lady. And she goes, hey, Covenant Family Churches, what is that? I said, well, we're non-denominational. If we were a denomination, this would kind of be it. It's a network of churches. We work together. We love the Lord. Uh, we're reformed, charismatic. And she's like, okay. And so, uh, so we're talking about that. She came up to me about 10 minutes later. And she goes, hey. New Covenant Fellowship, is that you? Like Bob Beckett, like that, New Covenant Fellowship? And I said, yeah, that's New Covenant Church. I pastor New Covenant Church. We're here. That was, you know, yes, that's us. She goes, I got saved in New Covenant. She goes, the meeting was so long, I couldn't. I went, listen, 
my husband and I, we were chain smokers. We'd be in the meeting. We'd have to run to our cars and smoke. It was so long. <laughs> she goes, but I met Jesus there. How cool is that? How cool is that? What a great, isn't that fun? That's fun. And we're talking about it, and it was great, and it was lively. And I got home at the end of the night, and I was talking to Lisa. And I'm like, hey, wasn't that funny when that happened? We're just chatting about it. And she goes, that was good. You need to get a new T-shirt. <laughs> I said, what? what do you mean? And she goes, look at it. And I looked down, and it's got like, I, I wore it to fix the car one day, so I have grease stains on it and stuff. And it wasn't terrible. I mean, it's not bad. But it was not great. It was not great. And she goes, too many people notice it for you to wear that T-shirt. Get a new one. I said, thanks, love. I, she's looking out for me. It was, a, it was a wonderful conversation. Too many people notice Christ in you to be stained by the world. Too many people notice Christ in you to forget your identity, to look intently in the mirror and see what God has done. What did he do? He took all the wrath of sin. He died on the cross. He rose again. He brought you with him. He gave you a royal title. He made you a joint heir with himself. He filled you with his spirit. He empowered you. He gave you a mission. He gave you a gift. He gave you a people to do it with. And he said, represent me. And we are very quick to do it in shirts that have old stains. Old stains. Because we forget what we look like. And it's easy to slip into those modes where it's easier sometimes to sort of use not the word. Why do I go? I go to church because it's fun. It's so fun. You should come. It's so fun. And there's friends. Everybody needs friends. Come to church. If we even invite them. Instead of, let me tell you what God did in my life. You know, it takes some gumption, doesn't it? To step out like that. I fail all the time. I fail all the time. And I choose the worst moments. I'm in the drive-thru at Starbucks. You should come to church. We're in the drive-thru. They're trying to get you out of there as fast as possible. That's the worst time to try to say something. So here's the joy. God can use us in our failures. He can use us in our failures. Let's not put on the stained shirts anymore. Let's not try to half represent him. Let's be doers of the word. Let's let that implanted word of God not just fall into mushiness, but into strength, into excitement, into purpose, into focus, into vision, into moving into what God wants for us. And let's not be stained. How do we be unstained? Just come to Jesus. Lord, forgive me. Unstained. Forgive me, God. And walk in that meekness in the word, coming back to him time and time again, back to the cross, remembering what he's done, remembering our identity in him. You know, the devil, if he can destroy one thing in you, it's your identity. If he can get you to forget who you are, he is all about that. Because he does not want you to stand up and say, flee from me, devil, because he will. As soon as you come against him, he can't stand. You are an ambassador of the king, a joint heir with Christ. The Lord actually hears your prayers? And he's got us fooled to think that he's so powerful. So powerful. And man, his stuff falls apart the instant that light comes into it. The darkness flees immediately. It's awesome. It's like that Dawn commercial, you know, Dawn dish soap with all the gro gross water and the one drop comes in, it's gone away right away, you know what I'm talking about? That's you. That's you. Praise God. So the second thing we do, be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Don't let the stains 
come on to you. I'm planning sermon number two instead of my head for next week. The Lord Jesus has given us his righteousness. He is our all in all. I want to just raise up to you, Mike and Shelley Hayden, for a minute. You know, the word of God here says, what is real religion? Pure and undefiled before God the Father. It is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You know, the unstained part, we can do that. We can come to the Father, ask for forgiveness. It's immediate. Remembering widows and orphans is a little more tricky. A little more tricky. You know, Mike's heart for living hope is not just birthed out of, wouldn't this be neat? It's this. It's real religion worked out. It's faith in Christ, knowing the word of God, lived out and stepped out in a way where we can tangibly say, God is doing something here. It's remembering widows and orphans. That's why we're doing a gala for living hope. It's not because it's fun. Listen, it's going to be super fun. You should totally come. Super fun. But it's not because it's fun. It's not because it's exciting. It's not even for the kids themselves because we, you know, like in, a, in an ethereal kind of sense. It's not for the idea of helping kids. So there is a big pressure sometimes that if you're a good church, you, man, you need a reputation. A reputation needs to be helping people somehow. And that's what everybody should know you for. And those are good things. But sometimes you can go get so wrapped up in trying to get a reputation that you don't actually help people. Does that make sense? You make it look like you're doing all this stuff in the world when you're not actually doing anything. But we actually have real children that Guilford is really seeing every day, that he's really helping, that we're really feeding, that we're really housing, that we're really trying to get into education, that we're really doing things. And you know what? We're doing it imperfectly. We're just trying to do whatever God gives us the ability to do. And sometimes it looks like, man, we're going to save all of Zambia. And I'm going to tell you right now, we have one little village with one little group of people with 20 kids that we can maybe just give some hope because they're hopeless. That's the reality. And it takes a village, doesn't it? Just to do that little drop. But what if God takes that and then he expands the tent? And so in our hearts, we look at what God is doing. And we look at the example of Mike and Shelley who are loving widows and orphans and, and going out and doing something about it. Then we have an opportunity where we can just try something, anything, to do something for them and be alongside that. That's why we're doing things with loaves and fishes. And here's a, a homeless group thing that's helping, in particular with women and children, where we can just be a part and do something, do anything. We'll announce that later. After Let the gala get through first, and then we'll talk about what we're doing with loaves and fishes. But that's the heart of what we're doing. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. Change your thinking. Expand your thinking to say, Lord, I trust you in your word. With meekness, I'm going to receive the implanted word of God. I receive the righteousness of Christ that you have given me an identity in you. And I'm going to put my foot forward and step out into what you've called me to do. And I'm going to look for the opportunity first and foremost. How can I help somebody who is in the most need? We don't have a lot of Stuff like in the book of James, widows and orphans around this area, do we? Realistically, right? We're not going to walk outside and see a bunch of people begging on the street. But every opportunity God does give us, let's be the people who act quickly, who do something about it, who try, who are, 
who are going, who are trusting and giving to God all that we have to say, Lord, I'm going to give you my work because I know you can do much better than I can. And we'll do it together. Wouldn't that be awesome? Unstained by the world. How do you expand the tent? How do you lengthen the cords? How do you get ready for the increase that God is doing? One, receive the word of God. Number two, remember who you are in Jesus Christ. And number three, step out and do something. And in particular, look for opportunities. Where can you help the least of these? Where can you help them? In the people you know, things that are going on, what can you do today? Wouldn't that be cool? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. You are a great king. Lord, as we come before you, God, we say, Jesus. Lord, our heart's cry is we'll give, we'll give, we'll hold nothing back. Lord, we'll give everything to you. We'll hold nothing back. And the reality is, Lord, sometimes we pray that prayer and we really mean it. And then when the pressures of life come in, we find ourselves wearing a stained T-shirt. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for times when we have not looked to you and your word. We've looked outside. We've tried to soften things. We've tried to do things outside of what you're doing. Forgive us, Lord, for our pride. Forgive us for our apathy. Forgive us, Lord. But according to your word today, God, because you are the covenant-keeping faithful God, you, Lord, are the God of increase. You are the one who is expanding us and changing us. And so, Lord, we receive your word today to say, God, change our hearts by your word. Lord, help us remember who we are in Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us, even to the least of these, to be people of action who are doers of the word, that, Lord, we would demonstrate your rule on the earth. Father, we are looking to you for your help because we want to. We want to lengthen our cords. We want to expand our tents. And Father, we say to you, Lord, we don't always know how. Thank you that you are leading us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are directing us. Lord, we look to you in all things, and we say today, your name be praised. In Jesus' name. Be blessed. The Lord Jesus is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Have a great week. God bless you all.